Hey guys, so I'm going through the transcript of George Lucas's story meeting once again during the Return of the Jedi and came to this spot right here where they had to figure out how to give Luke his lightsaber back as he lost it in Episode 5, The Empire Strikes Back. As they struggle with the ideas, I learned why the color change was much more symbolic and deeper than merely just to introduce a new color like many believe. A lot of people say it has to do with them changing the color because it clashed with the blue sky, but this right here shows us that there is so much more that went into this thought process, and what it actually means in the universe. The lightsaber actually ties into the overall arc of Luke and Anakin's journey, as well as their relationship together. This video's information is going to be immensely important, so I hope you enjoy it. Now how Luke created his own lightsaber was important to be showed to portray how strong he had become. Okay, so let's get to the script and then we can talk about it. This is a dialogue between George, his writer, his director and producer, where they're discussing the Sarlacc pit scene. Why don't the guards just shoot Luke? How is he fighting them? Well, part of it would be fun if he could fight them with his laser sword, except I don't know how he could get his sword in the middle of all this. But that could be part of his plan. What if R2 had it secluded in his, that would be a good idea. That is brilliant. I love it. Luke's plan gets better and better, because R2 is on the deck and he goes over to this little cubby hole and ejects the laser sword. I got an idea you can use with R2. What if Luke is about to walk the plank? Well, so long, old buddy and he whistles. As you do in those movies where you whistle for your dog, and then you cut to the top deck of the ship, R2 is there and a little launcher props out of his head. Then Luke goes over to the plank, drops, jumps back onto the ship, grabs the sword, and starts fighting. We do the acrobatic thing where he flips himself back up. Mark lost his laser sword, didn't he? He did lose his laser sword when his father cut his hand off. So whose laser sword is he using? Should I have brought it up? You should, because that's what everyone will ask. Well, it didn't occur to me. The way I was explaining it in the scripts before was that he made another one, but it's going to be impossible, given the structure of the way the film is now, to explain where that laser sword came from. It's a line of dialogue later. Well, I don't know if we even need to explain it. The worst thing about that is you get a letter in Starlog magazine big deal. Which, of course, that wouldn't work today, since YouTube would be all over it and Twitter would be all over it discussing endless theories and debates and topics and, and so on and so forth. But back then, they had Starlog magazine. That's all George had to worry about. So moving on. He made it. That's the answer. That's not going to drop the audience out of the film. People aren't going to stand up and say, I just don't buy that. I'm leaving. But you will get lots of letters, so we'll make a form letter explaining that Luke made it. Maybe it should be a new color. Yes, it could be totally different looking. We can work that out. But the idea running throughout the whole story is this. First, he's given his father's sword, because his father lost it in the fight with Ben Kenobi. Ben cuts his hand off, and Vader fell into the volcano. So Ben then pried the laser sword out of the hand and kept it for the son. So then, what the father did was cut his son's hand and laser sword off, and that was a way of severing the relationship between father and son. Not only did Luke lose his weapon and was castrated, but at the same time his father split that relationship. Luke was carrying his sword for his father. Now he is not doing that anymore. In this one, he's built his own. He has built his own laser sword. He is his own man. He is not a son anymore. He is an equal. 
So this is pretty awesome. A lot of people thought originally that, oh, well, Luke just has a green lightsaber now. And that the only reason is because it shows more against the blue sky of the backdrop in the Sarlacc pit. But the real reason, well, I guess the additional reason too, that more metaphorically speaking, not just for movie making purposes, is because now Luke Skywalker is on the same par as Darth Vader. And I actually never knew this in regards to Vader's thoughts, or Vader's metaphor, so to speak, when he cut off his son's hand. He was actually severing his relationship with his son, and I guess that's why he chose his hand. I mean, Vader could have chopped off Luke's head at that point. It didn't really matter. He was able to kill him within an I mean, he could have force choked Luke, for all we know, and it would have been over in an instant. But he was always toying with his son, and this is something that I always felt was never really discussed outside of the films. A lot of people like to think that, oh, Luke beat Vader, this and that. Vader was always just toying with his son. He was either trying to get him to turn to the dark side, or he was just tempting him again in Return of the Jedi with you know, thoughts of turning Leia if Luke won't turn. And this ultimately was the only thing that allowed Luke to get the jump on Vader, was that Vader had his guard down the entire time. He never had the intent to kill his son. He just had the intent to maybe scare him or you know, subdue him in a battle and to make him turn to the dark side, to join him and together they can rule the galaxy as father and son. Now, of course, there was a deleted scene with Luke creating or tinkering with his green lightsaber from Return of the Jedi, and we can see him actually give it to R2 as it was put into his head. But this wasn't released until 2011 or 2012, I think, or some, sometime in the 2000s. I'm not really sure on the date. Also, what I find really cool about this, something I never knew before, was that Obi-Wan was originally, during the time of making Return of the Jedi, in George Lucas's mind, Obi-Wan was supposed to actually pry Anakin's lightsaber from his, I guess, hand, after chopping it off. This of course isn't the case, as Obi-Wan just grabs Anakin's lightsaber as it's laying there on the molten rocks. And apparently, George Lucas's first ever vision of Star Wars was the battle between Anakin and Obi-Wan, and Anakin losing in the lava. So essentially, that scene right there is what started all of Star Wars off, and is the reason for why we're here today. In A New Hope, Luke was carrying his sword for his father, as George Lucas says, and now he's not doing that anymore. He has completely given up his connection with his father. He doesn't really care anymore. At this point, he is a much more developed character, just as we see him enter Jabba's palace, force choke the Gamorrean guards, and walk in there, just owning the place, pretty much. I think this in itself also shows so much character development for Luke. First he starts out as a disillusioned whiny farm boy who doesn't know what he's going to do with his life, and then he's carrying all of a sudden his father's laser sword as a hopes to connect with his father. Then his father actually cuts his hand off and severs the entire relationship. It's Everything is just so metaphorical and it's just so poetic as George has always said, and I love that about his writing. It's that so, so many things get overlooked, like the thing with Anakin's acting. Okay, people give him a bad rap, Hayden Christensen gets such a bad rap, because people don't actually understand the movies, they don't understand the story. Hayden Christensen at that point was instructed to sound more monotone and more like Darth Vader. And these are all little things, little details, little nuances that many people overlook, 
but if you actually stop and think about it, it makes the entire story so much more believable and make it make so much more sense, right? Like I remember in Revenge of the Sith when Anakin had just, you know, cut off the hand of Mace Windu and he's knighted as a Sith Lord, as Darth Vader by the Emperor. He says, what about the other Jedi around the galaxy or, you know, whatever the actual line is. And of course, this is so monotone and people just dogged him. Oh, it's bad acting, this and that. If you take that cadence, if you take his line and just completely change it and shift it into Vader's tone, it will sound like Darth Vader. Add the breathing in there. What about the other Jedi in the galaxy? It's the same thing. It's the same tone. It's the same cadence. And this is something that a lot of people overlook. So before you do that, and I'm not saying you guys do, but before people do that, they should really take a second and think, hey, maybe the writer of this, George Lucas, that is, really thought about everything so much more in depth than what I may be seeing or assuming here. Case in point today, I'm still learning new stuff about George's thought process regarding the prequels back in the 80s when he was making Return of the Jedi. It's just unbelievably cool stuff and I love reading about it. I hope you enjoy these videos and I can't wait to make the next one. Please leave a like if you did enjoy this. It really helps the channel out and I'll see you in the next video. Until then, remember, the Force will be with you always.